0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 275 on Tuesday, the 17th of September, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we won't claim that an insult is actually an obscure, inoffensive regional term, instead we'll be talking about how the effects of being naughty continue to hit one company. We'll also discuss the suggested guidelines for automated driving, and we find out how much interest has been sparked in one form of racing. But first, Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But first, in this traumatic evening, we will go on to follow-up, and Dieselgate has reared its head again, and this time Audi. And Audi appear to be in quite a deep amount of doo-doo. They have, until the 26th of September, to have completed the retrofitting of the V6 and V8 diesels with EU6 certification, to the satisfaction of the German Transport Ministry, because they are ones that had the cheat software. Now, there apparently is quite a few outstanding cars. Audi have said, oh, there's no need to get really uppity about this because the German transport ministry has been going, um, you're getting a bit close here. This will mean fines. Well, it's got
0: nine days, for goodness sake, at the time of recording.
1: Yes. This this will mean fines, further fines, uh, (laughs) and uh, they will have the cancellation of the type approval, which in (laughs) Germany means the cars are illegal to drive on the road, if I remember correctly.
0: So there yes, could be
1: some seriously unhappy owners at this yeah. point.
0: <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is not funny. It's 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 blooming grave, actually.
1: I know. Well, I'm laughing because it's got... That's mega serious, and I can't believe Audi have let it get to this situation.
0: Yeah, it's... It's just great it's, it's a bit nuts. Sorry, I've got nothing more to add than it's a bit nuts, really, isn't it?
1: They're talking about a total of 12,400 cards that they have to fix in the next nine days.
0: Yeah, it's not going to happen, is it?
1: No. Added to this, there is also talk in the background that the older EU4 diesel models are under the microscope and that it appears, or it is alleged that a software fix is not going to, to sort this out. It needs a much more significant retrofitting. So the solution, or one of the possible solutions, is that Audi has to buy back these cars.
0: Which That's the only way they can do Which is going to
1: cost yeah. a fortune. So just when we thought the $33 there, thereabouts, was the major issue for, for the VW group, it potentially will not be the final figure or close to it, if this is the case. So we'll have to, we'll, I mean, obviously we will keep our eyes on this because we are keeping our eyes on Greg Cable, who is the man on the ground for Autocar and others who he has sources everywhere. He's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, he's been around a long time and, and mm. knows everyone by the feel of it.
1: Yep. yeah. Anyway, tell me something else about Germany then.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, guess. Frankfurt Motor Show. A chap called Bernhard Mattis, who is the outgoing chief of the German car lobby uh, VDA, which organizes the Frankfurt Motor Show, um, is actually refusing to commit to returning to Frankfurt, which which has housed the Motor Show since 1951. Now, to be honest, he did actually tender his resignation last Thursday, uh, just after the show had been opened. So, you know, he's maybe not going to have the happiest, brightest outlook on all of this. But he's saying that, you know, they've made several changes to the motor show already. It's not about... And it's not about the number of cars, it's not about the number of visitors, it's not about the number of square metres, but they need a fresh concept, they're saying. Well,
1: they're getting a lot of pressure, aren't they, from, I know there's the environmental lobby groups, because we discussed them, the, the, what was it, thingies in the gearbox, grit in the gearbox, or whatever it was. Yes, and that's it.
0: And they did, they held big protests last weekend over the show. There's a picture at the top of the Financial Times piece of of, of people from Greenpeace standing on top of Volkswagen compact SUVs. One of them seems to be standing on a glass roof, which is brave, although I'm sure perfectly safe.
1: But also politicians were saying as well, weren't they? They were saying, look, the format needs to change, and it needs to be only environmentally friendly vehicles that are involved, which, yep. uh, oh, okay. Hmm.
0: If you'll excuse me for a second, yeah, yeah, whatever, because that's not really going to do anything, is it? What I was going to say was about people on the on the roofs. I mean, they were meant to be upping security and checking bags to make sure people couldn't bring in stuff to do this sort of uh, stunt, but obviously they failed. And you're right about the only environmental cars. Well, what, where's the line on an environmental car? Yeah, what, what is today's environmental car is tomorrow's horrible, gross polluter. We know that.
1: That's part of the problem. Is are you talking about the tailpipe? Are you talking the, the the construction of it? Are you talking and the nobody use, will, et cetera, will agree? Et cetera? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> And, you know, we know rubbish. people, depending on whatever, uh, what their viewpoint is, the car is, is evil mm-hmm. at some stage, but it, you, it, yeah. so no one, as you were saying there, no one agrees. No one agrees. There is yeah. no consensus that this, this is the, this is what we are declaring as environmentally friendly. And this is not.
0: I, I was speaking to to a a well-known, a well-known motoring journalist. I think that's a fair way of describing him. Uh, the, who, so the weekend, last Friday night, and he was saying that. Well, he was there. He said it was notably smaller and quieter than previous years. They worked out he and some other some other UK folk who were there worked out that there were about twenty brands missing mm. from previous.
1: Well, I've I've been listening to the Gestalt podcast that's got uh, people from Form Trends on it and mm-hmm. their review of it. And it's it's an excellent episode, but they do not hold back on sticking the boot in on the show setup as well as then moving up moving on to designs from certain manufacturers.
0: <laughs> it's it's not a popular the, the challenge with it is that it's actually unpopular on many levels. Because I've spent time in Messer Frankfurt and it's um it's a big, big place, and one of the problems is it's too darn spread out. Mm. There's and that this year, one of the challenges was, sure, you know, there are fewer people there. There are fewer press conferences, but it still takes hours to get from one end to the other. So you can't do stuff back to back. Yeah. And it's just too big and there's too much walking. And everyone said, shove what's there down into the three or four halls so that it's about the same size as Geneva. And everyone would love it yep. because it's just too darned big for people to cover. Uh, and if it gets too big, it becomes too expensive for publications to go and to cover everything they want. As a result, manufacturers don't get the coverage that they want and need to justify the huge expense of running a trade show, and so on and so forth and so forth. Yep. Uh, and it lands itself at a tricky point because Tokyo is coming up in a week and a bit's time, a yep. couple of weeks. So people who weren't there, Toyota, Lexus, et cetera, we'll probably have stuff to unveil in Tokyo.
1: Well, Mazda's already announced they're unveiling something in That's Tokyo. That's it. So. Exactly.
0: They have. They have. That's a new Mazda EV, by the way. Anyone yeah. who's missed that little bit of news. Yeah. So I think there's 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 problems from just about every side for Frankfurt. Uh, it is going to have to make a significant change. And we've seen what happens when this happens to motor shows. It's why we don't really have one in the UK.
1: Yep.
0: Sure, there's one in London. Well, I've never been to it
1: but that's only restarted recently
0: very recently I mean, um, yeah, it, it and of course we've got goodwood
1: it could be strongly argued that uh, the festival of speed is the uh, the moving motor show is the, the the britain's motor show now although that has critics and that has many flaws it, well,
0: the moving motor show bit's very small now compared to the rest of the weekend
1: yeah yeah no absolutely uh, but that's about the only time the public can get to see A number of vehicles together in one place. Mm
0: -hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Anyway, should we move on? Should we move on to something positive for a change? Oh, go on then. And this is up your way. We know because we've been.
1: Yes. Our close personal friends at Briggs Automotive Company know they're not. But (laughs) we can
0: dream. We we said hello and then I just about knocked one of their cars off its stand.
1: (laughs) Yes. You've got the scars to prove it. <laughs> I
0: literally have the scar to prove it. and wish that the ground could swallow me up just as I did it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but BAC, they're the lot that build the mono supercar, which is fantastic and is a phenomenal thing to see in its various stages of build. They have come to agreement in securing 20 million pounds worth of export business, part of it to Hong Kong and part of it to the United States. That's great news that, we actually have some mm. good news from a car manufacturing plant in Britain for a change because <laughs> it's been so grim for so long.
0: Yes. Yes, it has. No, it's awesome. And, uh, the, you know, they don't, they don't build, build many of these. and They don't build them particularly quickly, but they are not cheap either. No. <laughs> and they, they, they do actually, you know, break even and make money, which is, which is great.
1: Yep, absolutely. So congratulations to them. Well done and more power to their elbow. Long may yeah. they continue to make exciting cars that people want to spend a lot of money on. hmm And I must call them again. Yes. And say hello.
0: Yeah, don't mention me and kicking it off almost kicking off the stand. The thing was, it wasn't even one that was under build, it was one that was actually owned and that the owner was there, but thankfully the opposite side of the factory at the time. <laughs> more potentially good news, I I guess.
1: Possibly, maybe.
0: Possible. Well, yes, possibly, maybe. Ineos and the Project Grenadier. You know, the the definitely not a defender. The
1: spiritual successor to the Defender, and and, and, and definitely couching it.
0: Yes, and definitely not a vanity project. New. No. So Jim Ratcliffe has said that he is about to put money down to to essentially start building a production plant in Wales. In and I've forgotten the name of the town. That's Hensall, Stuttering in Bridge End. Thank you very much. Uh, it's meant to be announced this week, according to the FT and three people familiar with the plans.
1: Because he is close, and this is what it says in the uh, the article: he's close to signing a deal. So this is why we're a little bit hesitant to be all fanfarey, because it, it could be taken that this is a PR, bit of a PR stunt to push something. But we're hoping not, because Bridge End, obviously, that's where Ford have announced they're shutting their engine factory. So Bridge End needs some needs some positive news. They need a bit mm-hmm. of help. I question whether all those people from Ford will be reemployed or possibly You know those sort of numbers. But at least it's some good news and showing that Bridge End has the the capability of doing manufacturing.
0: Yes, it's it's and, it, and of course anything is is better than nothing. Yes, the plan so far, according to the FT, is for some parts to be some sub-assemblies to be created in Portugal, shipped over, uh, and then assembled in Bridget. There we go. Yeah, that's it. We'll see. We shall uh, see what happens there. But yeah. I believe there's bits and pieces happening around that project anyway.
1: Right. Uh, you may have heard in the the news, everybody, that there was a little bit of a kerfuffle at a couple of Saudi Arabian oil facilities. And by kerfuffle, I mean things went all burny, flamey, and oil production stopped. So what's happened is then everyone panics and goes, oh my God, will that put up the price of oil and therefore petrol. And lo and behold, the price of oil shot through the roof, actually, went to a 30-year high at one point, Mm -hmm. then dropped down a bit more on Monday and has uh, calmed down a bit more today to the point where it's fallen a further 6% just before closing. Mm-hmm. Because it transpires that Saudi Arabia believe they can get their production back up to uh, normal levels very much quicker than people were anticipating. Mm-hmm. Now we're not going to get involved in the theories behind flotations and <laughs> who, in fact, actually took did did this damage and all the rest of it. But can you tell us what was
0: used? Weaponized UAVs. <laughs> that's a that's a drone with a gun.
1: Is, I was going to say, is that a special special one from Argos? Is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like a DJI one. Can I quickly do a, mm-hmm. a bit on that? Because I was at the SEI, the big defence show in London last week, uh, not for podcasty stuff, for actual proper worky stuff. So if I Warble on too long here. I'll be accused of going on a podcast related jolly by people. But just so that you're aware, whenever we think of drones and you know the little things with like four popters got copters that go, that ain't what they're selling on a. Well, they are selling some of those. To be perfectly honest, they are selling those uh, at the defence shows. But they've also got everything that is you know about stuff with maybe a twelve foot. A twelve-foot wingspan and things, which could quite easily trundle its way across the Persian Gulf in a straight line from any other nation states who might not, particular, or who might benefit greatly from Saudi Arabia having a drop in oil production, and so so those those theories are definitely possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my mind from just from the kit that I saw around the place. I mean, let's face it, about a quarter of quarter of XL was given over to either drones or ways of getting rid of drones. Uh, and I'm sure some of you will see that, uh, will have seen pictures. There was this really cool, uh, Hilux, which had this, this air, this, this compressed air popping open roof. Um, you know, um, a canopy on the back. And then there was a drone shooty downy self aiming automated gun thing that could pop up and shot nets in fact, there were two types there was one shot a weighted net for just grabbing the drone and putting it to the ground and there was another one which had a ten millimeter ten centimeter pardon me diameter sort of cannon on it. Uh, which also included a parachute. So it went up, grabbed the drone and then dropped it down almost vertically, meaning that you could actually then gather the drone and, and hopefully remove all the data from it and work out who the heck it was. It belonged to. So it was, there was lots and lots of stuff like that. So these, these are a big deal. Don't just, when you think about drones and sort of even Heathrow and stuff, don't just think it's little, little DG, DJI ones going zzzz zzzz around the places. It's, it's, it's big stuff anyway meanwhile back to what's relevant for the motoring podcast <laughs> that you saying about petrol prices it was thought already that in the uk our uh, petrol prices were about six pence per liter too high and that then there was a uh, just last week uh some of the big some of the big retailers uh supermarkets particularly here in the uk cut the price by three pit three pence per liter so it's reckoned there's still about three pence per liter of buffer zone in there we're actually very lucky given the amount of tax we have.
1: Well that's okay because because the petrol the petrol companies are are, are renowned for being Their generosity to the, yeah to, to the motorists, so we won't see any increase at all. No, I'm waiting
0: to see it tomorrow. <laughs> and people like Jim Ratcliffe at any awesome project or any, any definitely don't profit from that at all. But yeah, I, I know that but we're actually buffered by by some of these from some of these spikes by the amount of taxation we pay on our fuel, uh, which means that we don't have the big uh, peaks and troughs that there are in, for example, the USA, uh, where they're far more likely to see spikes at the pump uh, than we are here. So I wouldn't panic about it, really. It's the general message from that. Also, weaponized UAVs.
1: Yes, well, I think the the reason why we've put it in is to to explain, like you just have there, is how... How it happens, you know, and how uh, how connected, and how there is there is an element of uh, fortune in the way that there has to be somewhere along the lines yes. the way that we are taxed on our petrol and our, our fuel. So that is the way that it potentially or hopefully should mitigate these short term blips.
0: Yes, yes, that's it's 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 a very very thin. It's a very thin silver lining. But it is there. And also, I got to talk about weaponized UAVs. That's the main thing. Yeah, it really, really is.
1: Okay, I'm going to move us on to what (laughs) I think is a very silly, silly, silly
0: thing. It was almost the end. finally this week.
1: The U.S. National Highway's Traffic Safety Administration have decided that whilst they require automakers to have an artificial noise for quieter vehicles so that your hybrids and your electrics it is you the owner that should be able to choose that final noise so they want options obviously they've uh the traffic safety administration has fixed all problems with uh everything else mm-hmm. so they they focused on the big the big issues my
0: god it's great isn't it you
1: know you know i've banged on a lot recently about people not asking the question if we do this what are the consequences?
0: There are no consequences of this.
1: Right, just at a time when we could do with some consistency and some commonality. So everybody goes, "Oh, that's an electric car, that odd
0: noise." But no, no, no. No, no, wait, wait wait, like wait, 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 wait. Background word. That's no, a No, you're 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 now. Ah, have you read this because the the only noises you'll be allowed to make it to choose from will be pre-approved.
1: Yes, but there will be a selection rather than just go, this is the noise, everyone. You're all going to use this, which would be the sensible way to do it. No,
0: no, 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 no. That's regulation. Don't be so silly. And it doesn't matter as long as up to about 30 kilometers an hour, it is some kind of noise which helps... Pedestrians, cyclists, uh, and and the blind, who I imagine will at that point be pedestrians or cyclists, can actually locate and be aware and able to tell that something is moving towards them. Then it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, for goodness' sake,s you are trying to tell me that all cars, all cars, should have the same engine note? No, that's
1: not what I'm
0: saying. Yes, it is. No, it's
1: not. No, it is. But
0: it's uh... it, it is. That's what you're. That's what you're saying. That's not no. what they're saying. You're just going to be able to select from a small number and let's face it how many automakers it sounds great but in reality how many noises are we going to have to choose from there'll be three or four the alternative being you know um we know that tesla will 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 try to get a fart noise signed off but they, they've got to be pre-approved so even they can't uh go and be too ridiculous about stuff so uh yeah it, it's <clears throat> I don't think it's a big deal.
1: No, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just silly. I think, I think they've worried about the wrong things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that they didn't put a lot of time into it.
1: I can imagine there was at least three committee meetings about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> relatively
0: speaking, that's not much.
1: Yes. Right. Let's move on. Yes. Talking about being safe. Batcham Research, in conjunction with the British, the Association of British Insurers, uh, have got together and released a white paper outlining key 12 key principles that will ensure a safe transition period between assisted and automated driving. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a uh, report that you can download from the link that will be in the show notes. You'll be surprised to hear that I have downloaded this and I have read it. And I have shaken my head.
0: I haven't read it because I knew he would.
1: I have uh, some of of it, and and I'm going to be, for me, very fair. uh, Some of it actually is, is quite sensible and makes a lot of sense. There are other elements of this report and the conclusions they've drawn that I do not agree with, fundamentally do not agree with, and I do not agree with the method and working outs that seem to be on display. However, we have to remember this is from the insurer's point of view more than uh, just necessarily getting it on the road. So this is one of the many, many pieces that have to be lined up before, when, if, all the rest of it, autonomous vehicles get onto the road. So it is weighted towards the insurer and what the insurers will need. However, some of that does not seem to stack up to reality. And there's several bits in here that you scratch your head at and you get the marker out and you underline it and you go, oh, hmm, are you sure? But at least it's going to start a conversation. At least it's going to get the, the discussion out in the open and public. They've asked for feedback. They're welcoming feedback. So if you are interested in this and you want to have a little view of industry's take on this i would because it's it's written in plain english as well it is easy to read don't worry so have a look at it and if you've got queries or whatever then you can get in touch with thatcham and they'll uh they they say they'll happy to discuss it so
0: Mm -hmm. cool awesome i was going to add a brilliant in there but that sounds like a bit too much so anyway conveniently that takes us to that takes us to guilt minute. Boys in the show we remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button on the front page. If you're already a patron, thank you so very much. Of course, we understand that not everybody has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then you really, truly are wonderful. But how's about accosting a friend who you think would enjoy this and telling them all about us? If for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show, why not do so for free using a free podcast player, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss out on the next new show. If you're not sure how to do any of that, do please get in touch with us uh, via Twitter and we, and quite often our other listeners, will help you sort that out. There we go.
1: More than happy to do that.
0: Yeah, delight to do that. A little bit of Formula E news, although it's mm-hmm. not back for another couple of months. First up, drivers are moving about, and Antonio Felix da Costa is moving from Venturi, I think.
1: Was that the BMW team?
0: No. Uh, oh, was he BMW. Pardon me. Pardon me. To, I should know that. Uh, but obviously, the people he's moving to don't bother mentioning where he's come from in their press release. No. So he's moving to DS cheetah, who raised cheetah.
1: and yes, wait till you see the link. Yeah, <laughs> my yep, gosh! Yep. I think they're legally obliged to have a cheetah in the background of all their There's, photos. At the
0: moment, <laughs> as it shows on this computer, it is it, there are two cheetahs uh, in the background. <laughs> it's, he's actually returning to to the current version of a team that he was um, he was in before when it was Amlin Aguri. In mm. the early in the early seasons, with the bright reflective blue mirror finish, uh, which was a really cool a really cool livery. So yes, good luck there. And there, I quite away.
1: like him. I think he's going to do well in that team.
0: Yeah, well, they're a good team these days. Really are. Yeah. Um, leaps and bounds
1: in there. Yeah, they are led very very well. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only good news, though, is it for uh, Formula E or
0: no? Well, well, that's it. Uh, so. Uh, well, there's a couple of things. First is there's a new CEO of Formula E who's just come in. But that that's really neither here nor there to those of us who... who enjoy watching what is interesting is that last season saw a, a significant rise in the number of viewers and interactions so stuff like 449 percent increase in the interaction on formula e owned content They're attracting was it more more event attendees than ever more than four hundred thousand spectators and ticket holders coming through the turnstiles that's not buying the tickets that's actually turning up to watch it mm-hmm there's a fantastic number of followers and watches on the video. Forty-two percent of their video watches being under the age of twenty-five. Seventy-two percent of followers aged under thirty-five uh, as well. So they really feel that they're they're breaking into that, breaking into the the kind of demographics they're looking at. Because
1: that YouTube that they did must be helping, because they'll have had versions in in different countries, not just in what the uh, Minecraft the UK. one. Yeah, that whatever that. Uh, no, well, I know there was that video that uh, I saw a lot of people say hmm. this is a brilliant video. But I mean, they, they when it was race day, they would have hmm. they had um, as part of the coverage. There's the YouTube live channel, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. They had
1: uh, because the TV audience has risen as well. They had a cum- cumulative TV audience of 411 million across the 13 races, which is apparently a rise of 24% year on year. So, yeah. It's, it is attracting. For as much as there are detractors who go, it's not real racing. They, do, they, they have to be doing something right to get those numbers. They have to be.
0: They're even profitable.
1: Yeah, 50% more profitable.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't-
1: Just because it's different and new does not mean it's bad. Yes. There are, there are different ways to, to do this. And for different audiences, you have to do it in a different manner. So
0: I'm going to take a snippet of the recording of you saying, "Just because it's different and new doesn't mean it's bad."
1: No, unless I decide it is, and then of course it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's great news for Formula E. It really is. It's because uh, whenever they started off, they really didn't know if it was going to last past the first season.
1: No, I I think it's with all these all these adventures like these ventures like this. It, there is. A lot of hope in which people look very, very confident and brave and sort of behind the scenes going, oh my God, I hope this works.
0: <laughs> I believe towards the end of the first season, there may well not have been a second season. It was awfully close. Mm. Um, but I'm so pleased it's, it's, it's paid off and it's working. It's, it's great.
1: Yep. I just hope next season there is less crashy, red flaggy things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Few, fewer, fewer red and yellow flags would be lovely. Anyway, speaking of crashes, rally turkey. Yes,
1: crikey. <laughs> That's me complaining about crashes, and the, in the <laughs> next breath I'm going to say I really like rallying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this was turkey this time. And again, I think attritional is the kind way to put it. They apparently, it's, it's, Sounds like from all the the all the highlights I've watched and everything that uh, it's almost as though people were sharpening rocks and leaving them in the trucks because there were so many punctures for so many people. But what how it ended up was uh, Sebastian Ogier led a one-two for Citroen, so great news for Citroen and fantastic news for Ogier trying to close down on Tannock. Lappi was second. And then uh, there was, um, for Hyundai, there was Mickelson coming in. So that helped uh, Hyundai continue to lead uh, Toyota Gazoo in the overall championships before coming up to the Rally Great Britain.
0: Yeah. It was not a good weekend for Toyota, really. No, it, all, was a, it was a
1: stinker. Tannock was trying to be calm and smooth through it like he did last year, which which he ended up winning. But this time, through no fault of his own, an ECU just gave out. He hmm. could not do Control-Alt-Delete, unfortunately. So then he came back on the Sunday, because that was on the Saturday, he came back on the Sunday under the Rally 2 regulations and took the incredibly brave decision of not putting a spare tire in. But he came through successfully and managed to win special stages, so he got maximum points from what he yeah. could get at that point. So he... He managed to salvage something from a truly dreadful weekend. So more, more bad news for Toyota. Chris Meek had a puncture, and that just took him. He was doing uh, reasonably well at that point, but then he was taken out. Nouveau rolled on a slow corner as well, so that absolutely scuppered him. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the results were obviously Ogier, Lappy, Mickelson, Sunanen for M Sport, Ford. So that was a great result for them because they had another pretty torrid uh, mm-hmm. weekend as well. Sordo who it all went wrong in the second stage I think it was or first stage he ended up fifth. Uh, Latfela was six who was leading the race for a little while on day one then Meek, Nouveau and then we get to Tiedman for M Sport and then Greensmith for M Sport so but the timings if you, if you look at if you click the link of the autosport thing look at the timings and look how far people are behind in the top 10
0: yeah yeah it's it's really spread out
1: that gives you an indication of how bad a weekend it was for things going wrong
0: mechanically mm-hmm.
1: so it's on to liverpool north wales alton park next and if they,
0: if they get out of liverpool with all their wheels then they're on to a winner really oh
1: wow wow <sighs> You're not thinking of coming to stay anytime soon, are you? <laughs> no. Wow. As, long
0: as you don't tell Mrs. windscreen, I'm all right. Yeah,
1: yeah just let's hope she doesn't listen later yeah. in the week.
0: We should be fine. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> right, I've kept this. It's a lunchtime read. I've kept this because in a moment of complete and utter self-indulgence...
0: And it really is, by the way.
1: Max Finkel has written a fantastic ode to the 1980s Honda Accord AeroDeck. And that is our lunchtime read. And I want you all to go away and read it. And I want you to savour the marvel that is the 80s AeroDeck. It's just, I had one. It is one of three cars I wish I had never got rid of in the 20-odd I've owned. So it, it holds it's a special place in my heart. It is a phenomenal car that is, I just wish there was something like it today.
0: Pop up headlamps. There we go. It's just, it's just peak, peak Japanese, isn't
1: it? Uh, it's brilliant. So, <laughs> so good.
0: And so good. Proper peak Honda. Anyway, yeah, go have a read of that. We're not going to discuss it too much. There are videos and all sorts of things in there. So, um, yeah, a multimedia delight to yes. keep you occupied for a lunchtime absolutely list of the week then falls to me and this week it is uh 12 things jim holder learned from 800 miles pff, is that all in a week in an electric what? car <laughs> yeah i know call that, in call, week that well. <laughs> call that a trip call that a trip a whole week jim um yeah, he took a Kia e-Nero, and in all fairness to him, he did take it to, to deepest, darkest Wales, where rapid charges are not exactly scattered liberally around the place.
1: Uh, he, was, he was in the southwest, which is better served than other areas, to it be It was fair. still deepest, darkest Wales. But, but, but yeah. still, it's not brilliant, which mm-hmm. the Welsh Assembly do acknowledge.
0: Yes. Well, they're getting there. They're, they're yeah. taking lots of trips to Scotland, where, of course, it's much better because it's scotland
1: it is well something like that
0: yes so there's lots of stuff that, that he points out here some of which i have i i have been quite vocal in my 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 voicing in the past uh, i would particularly note number five that the motorway network needs urgent improvement but it's it's very interesting list of list of 12 points really and it's it's worth reading it really is worth reading because it was some proper living with really yeah, wasn't it yeah. and his sense and the things he pointed out are are true I don't really disagree with any of them
1: No whilst he did do you know the, the journey there and the journey back again were large journeys he basically did which I think we should all be doing now is this is the, you know, I'm living with the car day to day, and this is what has happened. Because mm-hmm. we, we do that for internal combustion engines. That's the standardized test now, isn't it? It's people mm-hmm. with the occasional extravagant trip for a bit of fun, something to show something off, that sort of thing. But effectively now, we we should be, as as people talking about these things or writing about them, is going, this is what it's like day to day.
0: But one of the things he pointed out, by the way, is that he's had it for about six months. As his long-term autocar long-term test car, but he points out he's practically not never used the public charging system with it because, mm. because he hasn't needed to boom oh, to work, plug in again. Oh, the car's full. Boom mm-hmm. to work. Boom again. Oh, <clears throat> plug in. Oh, the car's full, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's kind of how it is most of the way. And then there's only the occasional trips like this. So it's very interesting. And it was interesting to see a lot of other. Mm, senior, a lot of other quite senior editorial-type journalists these days reading it and commenting and saying, you know, I think I'm pretty much on the edge of, of being ready for an EV. Yeah. Uh, which is, is interesting because some motoring journalists are the most vociferous. Well, I've never gonna be, it's got to have a V8, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, you know, that's because motoring journalists live in the little bubble quite often. Not all of them, but some of them do. I think that's fair to say. And I don't think you'd find too many motoring journalists who would disagree with that. No, no. And if they do, they're wrong. (laughs) Frankly, I'm
1: sorry. And I shall tell them from my ivory tower.
0: I know. (laughs) I've got a proper job, you know. Something like that. (laughs) Definitely don't say that. Definitely not. Well, it's definitely not true as well, so never mind. Anyway... You got the and finally, then
1: I do. And finally, and it's my turn to be outraged. See, in fact, our it's the podcast is outraged. In fact, I am. I'm doing this on behalf of both of us.
0: You're just point blank outraged tonight. Well, anyway.
1: th- there is a bit of that, but I was I was outraged at this this article uh, long before I got outraged at the technology that didn't work for us earlier. And that is the news that there is something called the Toyota Land Cruiser Namib, and it's utterly. Utterly wonderful, as you will see if you click through them. the link to the Top Gear article. Now, what I'm outraged at...
0: It's a special edition, by the way.
1: And I will have issue with with Toyota when I see them next week. Is that you don't get that in this country.
0: Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. If you're going to try and be outraged at some of the folk from Toyota here in the UK, they are more outraged than you are, Okay. But if
1: if my outrage helps put power to their elbow in which to okay. get a container with one or maybe two of these over here for test purposes and just, you know, marketing, mm. then I will help them.
0: <laughs> Go for it then. But no, this is a special edition and it's quite awesome. So so if
1: all our listeners can say that they're outraged as well, this would be good. But it's brilliant. It's It's a fantastic... It's it's obviously not a model we get over here, and it it just looks utterly brilliant.
0: For people who know these things, it's a 70-series Land Cruiser, so that means, uh, you know, kind of separate front fenders, just about. Or a hint of separate front fender, I think, is, is fair. And, you know, square, upright, boxy body, uh, square, upright, front, possibly not much in the way of... Well, there's plenty of pedestrian impact is going to go on, judging by the... Uh, Judging by the safari bars,
1: the car will the car will be fine.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> but quite frankly, who cares about the people who jump in front of you? You know, it's got a snorkel. It's it's the antithesis of the new Defender, really, isn't it? Because it's yeah. in this case, it's a it's a, it's a four door pickup uh, version. Although, of course, you get sort of three door van and all sorts of configurations of seventy series. But this one's really cool because it's got great big LED spot lamps, no big bush bar and a snorkel and Namib seat covers and roof consoles and, yeah, proper tires, like what I used to run. uh, I used to run the same ones on the Veacross, to be honest. Yeah. Cooper Discoverers, you know, and and, and a load bed at the back with lashing points down the sides and all sorts of cool stuff and a tow bar and yellow shock absorbers. and It's just generally awesome, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. and it's beige.
1: Yes, that helps.
0: And it's about fifty grand. I saw. I swear, there used to be a place in Brussels which which imported small numbers of seventy series. They would do conversions to to campers and overlanding and stuff. And I used to know what the name was, and then I went back to Google Maps to where I was sure it was in Brussels, and I cannot find the darn place at all. So I don't know if it still exists. I'm sure it wasn't my. Uh, a, a, a figment of my imagination, but it's uh, <laughs> I love 70 series are great. They are. Series are brilliant. they are fab. Parish notes. Part one of Ed Niedermeyer's review is out. So do go check if you are subscribed, just make sure that, 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 um, that, uh, that Apple podcasts, I almost called it iTunes. Apple podcasts is still updating. Cause if something hasn't appeared on the stream for a little while, it has a hissy fit. And that little while can be as short as a month, depending on how it's feeling. Uh, And there should be a special edition out this Friday. We recorded two last night, which are almost like the Beatles lost tapes. Yes. Uh, They've been around for so long, but they actually finally, uh, without intervention from children's cricket umpires. Natural disasters. (laughs) Natural disasters. Smoking battery packs in uh, aircraft holds. And I think that was it. Was it the fourth attempt? It was the fourth attempt to record at least one of them. Yes, that was uh, so the they, fourth attempt, yeah. So yes, they are now, they are now out and about. And, uh, well, they will be those two. So, uh, look out for the, one of those coming on Friday at some point. We'll let you know when it's, when it's, it's available in the, um, in the feeds. Yep. Anything else I've forgotten, Andrew? cool so don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts for the show at Podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget our our patreon offer available at motoringpodcast.com slash support and please please leave a review and rating on apple podcasts uh, google podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing it really does matter andrew what's the best way to discuss OBS streaming with you?
1: Best way to do that is if you write a note, wrap it around a brick, and throw it into the nearest deep water. I will not pick it up. But if you wanted to chat to me about anything else, then the best way to do that is via Twitter. And if you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if anybody wants to discuss with you ways in which you can possibly be given calming methods for your co-host, what are the best ways for them
0: to do that? um yeah if you could do that on on twitter hashtag and just hit him over the head with a with a brick then then that would be great uh on twitter i am at a j p bradley b-r-a-d-l-e-y we will be back next week perhaps if we both survive but until then i've been alan bradley i've
1: been andrew clues
0: and safe motoring